Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Freedom International live stream. I am so happy today because we're bringing you an exceptional woman, an exceptional lady and educator, and right now leading what um, speaking out for truth for the children and also for the parents. So welcome to Freedom International live stream. With me are podcasters from around the world and I bring with you Mary, Dr. Mary Elizabeth from Farm D Podcast, Mindful Empowerment. And I have Steve. And Steve is all the way to Asia from Awakened Mind. And I have Jay Onofre from Thrive Tribes Live, all the way in Vancouver. And yours truly, Grace Asagra, from originally from the Philippines, but now living in Princeton, New Jersey. So Welcome and thank you for being with us. And of course, our distinguished guest is Leila Sentner. Oh, I have to, I think I had to edit that spelling. <laughs> right. So sometimes this, this one letter, two letters just interchange. But nevertheless, Leila Sentner is a chief executive officer and co-founder of Center Academy. When I first heard of Leila, it was because she spoke up about the children. She wasn't scared to say, no, these children needs to be unmasked. And she, didn't, she wasn't scared to speak about what the dangers of the vaccine would be for the parents or for the children. And, you know, so these things were happening. So I said, oh, I've got to have Layla because in New Jersey, um, nurses are being censored nurses are being put into either they're temporarily suspended for helping the kids who are not really doing well with the mask and leila as far as i know you have a background in fi finance and you have your joy and passion is also to be part of a humanitarian organization and you're you in 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 your website it says that Layla is on a personal mission to save the children by providing a happy, safe environment where kids can be kids. So Layla, how about you just tell me, how did you start your school and what made it different from many other schools? And, and just go ahead and have fun sharing your joy and your struggles with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. It's nice seeing all of you, all your lovely faces. So um, I really started the school initially because we had our first daughter and I had toured many, many schools, over 15 schools. And I just thought this isn't anything that I would really want to participate in. And so being uh, an entrepreneur, uh, my husband and I had a company. We hadn't sold it at the time, but I had I was a CFO of the company, and I basically said, look, let me embark on this new mission to really create a school for our girls. It started out as something small I wanted to do um, that was really for our kids. And as I got into education, as I started learning everything that I learned, I realized this isn't just about our girls, but it's about saving humanity. And the only way to do that is through education. 
So uh, the the original idea of having a small little building with, you know, maybe 50 kids uh, turned out to be, you know, we have almost 300 kids now. I have capacity for 1,100, but we're really working on a curriculum that we can um, distribute globally, uh, part, partly in nonprofit, where we can help kids in underserved communities, pull them out of the public school system, and um, give them a completely new way of thinking. Um, too many, right now, the way our education system is configured, it's really teaching kids to be non-thinkers. It's teaching kids to be obedient, uh, obedience followers. And that's not what the future of our country needs. We need critical thinkers who are not afraid to say, no, this is not right. They're not afraid to, to figure out, problem solve, be creative and go against the norm. And so, you know, this, this mission that I'm on now is really, I, I call it a mission to save humanity and to flip education upside down and to not just give it to kids who are privileged enough to pay a high price tag, um, but kids who don't have funding, who we can basically silver feed this curriculum on a silver platter to communities all over, all over the world, really. So. Thanks for sharing that, Leila. Uh, well, you were talking about when you said about the curriculum. I'm so excited that you're doing that. And I hope that it will be available for, for the public because in the different meetings and conversations that I have, many parents are forming groups of homeschooling. And of course, they I, I don't know exactly how homeschooling is structured, but I'm just thinking that what if the homeschool will de depend only on the materials that's in current homeschool system? And I'm not sure. I said, hmm, they better examine or really look into what's in the homeschool curriculum as well. And if it's coming from you, I think it's safe. And so um, when do you think that will be ready? Well, it's a lot of work. <laughs> So uh, I don't want to give an exact date at the moment, but I'll tell you we're working on it and we'll deliver it as soon as it's ready. I'm, I'm hoping in a couple of years, if uh, you've got some amazing uh, listeners on this show that wants to be part of the curriculum building team, I would love to hear from them. They can send their application to our website. We have a careers page, but it's really, um, you know, I mean, uh, really what we're trying to do at our school is also get the kids back to understanding our constitution, understanding the value of the freedoms that we have in our country. I want them to be able to critically think and analyze what's happening in different countries, the fall of their country from going from a, you know, a country that was free and filled with capitalism to a country that's now broken and falling apart. I want them to understand and analyze the differences. What happened? Where were they then? What took over? What transpired? And what did the people do about it? If they don't understand and value or appreciate what we have today in our country, or if they have a hate for our country, they're not going to want to fix it. Is our country perfect? Absolutely not. 
But if you have a love for the foundation, you're going to want to make it better. And so that's pretty much everything that we do. We try and foster love, connection, understanding, critical thinking, um, what our constitution, you know, going back to the constitution, basic things like, you know, understanding what does the Pledge of Allegiance mean? You know, unfortunately, there's been a lot of indoctrination, a lot of brainwashing that's happening in public school systems with CRT, critical race theory, you know, having um, kids think that because they're white, they should feel bad for some reason. You know, actually teaching racism through anti-racism, it doesn't make any sense. Having, you know, people apologize for the color of their skin or even teaching a black kid that they're never gonna get enough because the white person is holding them back. I mean, these are things that are absolutely insane. And so our school doesn't do any of that. We focus on love, connection. We go back to what Martha Ke Martin Luther King said when he gave his I have a dream speech, when he was talking about the character and not the color of people's skin. You know, and so we, we, we our kids meditate every day. We have different activities where the kids get to look into each other's eyes and say the greatness I see in you, you know, just the beauty I see in you and just really connect to their souls. And I feel like that's what's missing. What's missing is the schools are just, you know, beating into them academics, removing the soul away from the child, removing that connection. And then with COVID, they were able to take it even 20 steps further by putting plexiglass <clears throat> around each desk by not allowing kids to talk during lunch. This is at right here in Florida, you know, right up the street from my school. Uh, my friend um, uh, has a daughter at one of the public school systems, and she told me we can't hug each other anymore. We can't speak to each other during lunch. And when we play tag, we have to touch each other with, with our feet. Mm. And they removed the playground equipment. Mm. You know, and this is all because the school leaders, the school board, they want to blindly follow the government. And and sadly, it's, um, you know, there's too much corruption with corporations pretty much running our government. So we, the people, are not the priority anymore. It's who's paying the biggest, who's writing the biggest check. And sadly, right now, pharma is one of the largest lobbyists in our country, and, and they are controlling a lot of our politicians. I strongly agree with you, and really, thank you so much for what you do. And uh, how about just so for those who are also thinking, because I've run across groups that they're also thinking of right now, just a small classes for the community children but eventually they're thinking they need to build a school so is that something that maybe other communities can reach out to you to you could help them create a school just like yours you know what what i'm telling people right now is reach out to your local church that normally has vacancy monday through friday during the day they're not using the church and, and ask if they can use that space. They don't need to invest a lot of money in a physical building right now. They don't need to do all of that. They really need to just have a strong community where your beliefs 
are in alignment. So make sure that you're very careful who you bring into this community as well, because if you're a community that's all about wellness, that's all about nutrition, that's all about believing in your immune system, and we have another situation uh, where there's a lockdown, right? Or somebody got COVID, what's gonna happen within that community? If you're all in alignment, you're gonna agree that these kids need to be kids and whoever's sick just needs to stay home. But if you're not in alignment, you know, you're going to have a lot of issues that stem from it. So don't I wouldn't complicate it right now. The most important thing is the well-being, the physical and emotional well-being of our children. And I'll tell you, if I did not own a school right now, I would 100 percent be homeschooling okay. because the amount of psychological damage that's being done to our children is 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 going to be very very hard to reverse i mean i'm seeing it with my own eyes we had the majority of our kids were not in masks but in the beginning of the year almost everybody had had a mask on and we would have kids coming to the office for headaches migraines dizziness nauseousness and as the year went on more and more kids took off their masks but the few kids that still had their masks on had the most anxiety because that mask is keeping them in fight or flight. That is keeping them in complete fear and anxiety. You know, we had one child at our school that would eat lunch, but pull down her mask, bite, <clears throat> put the mask back up, chew, pull down the mask, bite. To feel that you need to do that means you're living in a constant state of fear. And that fires off all these hormones and it does so much damage to your internal system. You know, that's how people get ulcers. That's how they get heart attacks. That's, a, that's how cancers are formed with, because of stress, you know? So it just, most important thing is take care of your kids' emotional well-being. So pull them out of the system, focus on their happiness, focus on their soul. And everything else is easy. Oh, thank you. I would have asked more questions, but I'll pass it on to Mary. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. So it's nice to see someone standing up against the insanity that we see. And, yeah, and I believe your academy never required any masks on the students. Is that right? We never forced masks, not from day one. We had mask exemptions. The parents just needed to fill out a form, and that was it. Perfect. And you said something interesting in the beginning. Um, what inspired you to create this academy was actually looking for your daughters a school and searching like for 15 schools, and you couldn't find one suitable. What what was it in the ones that you looked at? Was it just in terms of academics, or what was it that you couldn't find something? You know, I found that each school, they they had they were strong in something. You know, this school was strong in academics, but lacked everything else. Or this school was strong in mindfulness and social emotional, but everything else was missing. Or pretty much across the board, the schools were feeding the kids horrible food, horrible nutrition. And I've been really obsessed about nutrition since I was pregnant. Um, I became even more obsessed about it when my nephew was diagnosed with autism and I went to some specialists to figure out how to re reverse it. I realized even more how important nutrition was for kids. But um, 
you know, they, they all had something that they were good at. And I told my husband, you know, this doesn't make sense. Why can't the school be well-rounded? Why can't they have great nutrition? Why can't it have academic excellence? Why can't the school um, have a foundation of social emotional learning? Why can't we focus on their soul and their mind and their body altogether? Why can't we have it all? And so that's what we set out to do. And um, part of this journey, I also found a, a spiritual academy in India that we, uh, my husband and I attended. And going through this spiritual academy, it's, it's called um, O&O Academy. I learned even more about, you know, traumas and triggers and and basically things that happened to us as, as a child that carried through, you know, until, you know, the day we die. And so I learned in this academy really about breath work and about a deeper level of meditation. And, um, you know, my husband is 55 and he was 41 when he had a heart attack. And he had a heart attack because he didn't know how to deal with his anxiety. And I had my own issues. You know, I could go from zero to 60 in 1.2 seconds. Um, so as we learn to really um, understand our emotions, understand our triggers, and understand how to calm ourselves down, I realized that, my God, this, this is the most powerful asset that I have in my toolkit. You know, and this is coming from a couple who financially – you know, we sold our company, we were doing well, but that asset, what I had learned at the spiritual academy was everything. And so I realized that our kids need to have this. They need to learn this because there are too many kids in this world that are filled with anxiety. They're filled with all sorts of things, you know, they're being taught hate and anger at school. Um, so really, you know, it's just, it, it, it's having a strong foundation that goes back to mind, body, and soul. And that's, that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. And rather than focusing on what you don't have, you know, I look at your example of just having your vision and going out and creating it, um, which is awesome. And I look, you know, on your website, it's pretty cool. I saw the video um, with the students practicing mindfulness. And, you know, you start talking about food and, and health and they'd offer non-GMO organic food. Um, and the curriculum, I wanted to ask about the curriculum that you're, you're putting out. Is that something just an individual family can go and do if they're already homeschooling? Or is this more um, geared for someone who wants to start a new school and use that curriculum? You know, part of our plan is to take that curriculum and put it in a nice package. Um, but it, it takes time to have the right people to help write it as we're teaching it and doing it. And so that's why I was saying, if you have any uh, listeners who, who are curriculum writers, we're building that team as we speak, because I really, really want to be able to give this, uh, not just hand it out, but provide training and structure. So that way, you know, there's some States where, um, um, families can apply for a $7,000 grant that they can take to whatever school they want to go to. So my ultimate goal is, is to help 
families set that structure up so that way there's enough money to come in that they can get from the government to pay for their teacher and they can set up their own little pods um, with the curriculum that I can hand deliver them and do training for their teachers. Um, because again, the our future is in our children's hands. And if they're not critical thinkers, our country is gonna go down a direction that I think none of us wanna see. Have you guys, have any of you read Outwitting uh, the Devil by Napoleon Hill? I've listened to it. Great book, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it was published after Napoleon Hill's death and uh, because it was too controversial in his time. Yeah. But it's, I forget, I listened to it a long time ago, but it's, it's, you can listen to it free on YouTube. If you guys uh, have time and you want to watch it uh, or listen to it or whatever, read it. Um, it's so powerful and it really is a roadmap for what's happening today and how to fix it. And so I just read this book a few weeks ago and I'm going through it. I'm going, this is exactly what we're doing. And this is exactly how we are going to redirect our country into the right direction. And it starts with teaching the kids to be critical thinkers, helping them find their purpose and define goals in their life and really teach them to not live in fear because fear is one of the ways that you can be controlled. And so when you're in fear, it's easy to let the media take you in the direction that they want you to go. But if you're a critical thinker and you're not living in fear, you see that stuff, stuff and you're able to, ah, I see what they're doing. And you don't allow it and you don't allow it to suck you in. And then you're able to make strong, profound decisions based on your own critical thinking which is what I did for my school. I went and I spoke to a, a pediatric immunologist that saw over 3,500 children's COVID cases. And I asked questions. I studied the CDC data, you know, that showed kids had a 99.9974% survival rate. I read the studies that showed, you know, that they did in 2016 about masks and doctors in, in hospitals in a surgical setting and how the masks did not protect the doctors from viruses. I understood the size of the holes in the mask. I understood all of these things and I was able to make the decision on my own based on everything that I had analyzed that our children should not be wearing masks. And I was only able to do that because I wasn't living in fear. Because the second you're in fear, you turn off your ability to problem solve and critically think and you become paralyzed. You know, and so it's, 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 it was very exciting for me to see starting when we started school on September 8th. Um, it was exciting to see how many people were living in fear in our community. And by the time school let out in, in June, how the majority of my community was not. And it was fun to see one by one, people taking off their masks, kids taking off their masks, parents taking off their masks. Parents going, yeah, you're right, Layla. I don't understand why the other schools are doing it. I feel so blessed to be at your school. I'm so thankful that that you led us down this direction 
And I had some parents that were irate that I let out of their contracts because they were, how dare I go against the CDC? How dare I not follow the other schools? And I just say, here's your contract. I void it out for you. I send you off with love and compassion. And I pray that maybe one day you'll, you'll do your own research and not just blindly follow. But at the end of the day, you're in charge of your own life. And so when I had to make the decision about the vaccines, you know, um, I'm in charge of my community. And when you walk through that door, the safety of your children is my responsibility. And, you know, I, I look at the virus, you know, as if somebody gets sick from the virus, that's one thing. But if you go and get yourself an injection, an experimental injection that where there are reports and claims of shedding happening and impacting, impacting the unvaccinated, right? And then the Pfizer protocol document talks about it very clearly. And there's an FDA document that talks about shedding, you know, and there's reports that are being made all over, specifically into doctors that are listening. I had to make the decision to say, look, I, I don't want my, I need to keep my kids safe. So if that's what you want to do and you want to inject your body with a substance that is unknown, you know, I have a responsibility to, to protect the kids of my community. So that caused a media uproar because I went against the media. I went against the propaganda. I went against the narrative that they were pushing. And I had some parents very upset and I had other parents that were very supportive and appreciative because they were also concerned. So, you know, what I try and do is lead, lead by example for my kids. And, and even my own daughter, you know, she's like, I told her, I go, you know, there are people in the media that are saying very bad things about your mom right now, but I don't care. I won't be bullied and their words don't hurt me. I said, in fact, it's making me stronger, you know? And so my example to her is sometimes you need to go against what everybody else is saying. And if you've done your research and you've critically analyzed and you are following what's right, don't be afraid to stick to your guns and do what's right. Even if it, you, you might get a lashing from the rest of the world, which is what happened to me. We got great examples. Maybe Steve, before you jump in, um, I'll just say, you know, that's how I first came across, you know, you Layla on the news, taking a stand saying we're not going to have um, teachers to have taken the jab, um, come in um, and being able to teach. How has that been going um, for you, like now going into the next school year, what kind of feedback from the teachers, any of them left? And then also, do you, is there a role that the students themselves can um, get the jab? And, and if you've ever had any personal experience with the, the sh you know, shedding or whether you call it transmission, as far as how you became about to that decision besides reviewing all the literature? Well, I'll say that... Um we have a teacher at the school who her aunt and uncle both got the jab and their one-year-old baby within 48 hours um, developed 109 degree fever and needed to be rushed to the emergency room because she was having seizures. And the only thing different that changed in her life because she wasn't even at home at the time was the fact that both her parents were vaccinated. I have a pediatrician friend 
um, who's been sharing different things of kids that have been coming into his office, one 20 month old baby bleeding from the vagina after the parents were vaccinated, just various really crazy things. Um, this whole media fiasco has actually um, brought together a pretty amazing community. We've been attracting teachers and parents from all over the country that are very much in alignment with our school. Um, I'm so excited. We're doing training on Sunday. I can't wait to meet them all in person. They're just beautiful souls that are literally packing their bags to come to our school because they're so in alignment with what we're doing and they're so appreciative of what we're doing. And I'm happy because, you know, I had purchased a school before. So I brought over people that weren't really bought into the Setner philosophy. And so uh, those parents ended up, many of the parents stayed that were in alignment, but there were many parents that were not in alignment and were like, we're out of here. Um, and same thing with the teachers. I had a handful of teachers that we had hired from scratch and they all stayed, most of them stayed. But a lot of the teachers that we brought over were out because they were like, we're not in alignment with this. Um, we want the vaccine. We don't want to be told to not to take it. And, you know, we don't even believe that this shedding thing is possible because the science is not out yet. And until the science is out, we think it's fine. And I'm saying the science isn't out. Do you want to wait that long to realize that a mistake was made and that our children are harmed because we were waiting for the science, which in many cases, these scientists are, are afraid to tell the truth because they're on Fauci's payroll, you know, because he distributes billions of dollars to scientists all over the world and they're scared to death to, to, to speak against him. You wanna wait for those people? You know, at the end of the day, the reason why so many doctors and nurses and teachers, they're not speaking out is because they're living paycheck to paycheck. They're afraid to lose their income because if they lose their income, they don't feed their family. So I don't know if I answered all of your questions. Did I miss any? <laughs> I think you covered it pretty much. How about what if the um, students um, themselves choose to get it? Is that anything that, that you regulate? You know, that's a very good question. I, I put together an advisory board of parents who um, all care about our school and want us to make the best decisions. And this was brought up in our last meeting and so we uh, have a plan to uh, figure out what's the best thing to do going forward. Uh, and we're also gonna bring in some doctors to talk about this. My school only goes up to eighth grade right now. So I only have the, maybe the seventh and eighth graders uh, to worry about, but I do have some parents that are very concerned. I'm concerned as well. Um, and I don't, frankly, I don't understand why any parent would want to give their child this shot. When your child has a 99.9974% survival rate, why would you even remotely consider to inject your child with a substance that is causing heart attacks for healthy young kids? To me, it's senseless. And I don't think we have any parents left that, 
are, are wanting to do that. I feel like the community that's left won't, but it's still a topic that we need to discuss and figure out. Yeah, I think Grace is going to go to a question from the, the audience, but yeah, I, I would say just people who are only hearing the other side of the propaganda, like to us, you know, to me, it'd be foolish to go take it because of what I know, but a lot of people are just living in fear on the other side. Oh, hi. Yeah. So uh, since there are engagement from the audience, I thought I'll bring this up to you. And the first two questions were when you were talking about in general, of your 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 school so this first question says how do you implement this strategy in unserved communities where just being outside can cost their lives i'm not sure i understand the question and well previous to this question was for what do you do for children that are living in situations where gun violence is a way of life yeah i mean i'm not i don't think that's my realm right now <laughs> that's not you know i i can only handle uh i can only handle enough major items at once and i i'm i've not really that's not really my and and let's see if this is something that you would want to respond it does little good if the system cannot be universally implemented the results are the elite those which means are elevated and the majority are left behind success in underserved communities will make this a more credible concept so you know i i grew up my mom was on welfare i grew up in a community where gang violence was normal gunshots was normal um, and I, I really ripped myself out of that community and I took, really took control of my life at a very young age. Um, I believe that once we have this curriculum built and we are able to give it to communities, underserved communities, and, you know, they can, like I said, they can do it in a church. The idea is to get them to be critical thinkers and problem solvers. So as a child, I was a natural problem solver. And I was a natural problem solver because from a very young age, I had some things happen to me that I had to figure out very quickly that I needed to fend for myself. And I was constantly problem solving. And so in our country where we really live in the land of opportunity, I believe no matter what color of your skin, no matter what race you are, if you are a critical thinker and you're a problem solver, you can pull yourself out of any situation that might not be the best situation. My older brother, on the, on the other hand, he didn't follow, we didn't follow the same footsteps. He ended up going to prison by the time he was 18 and selling drugs and really going down the path of not a good place. And to this day, he's not in a great place. Um, so what was the difference between me and my brother? We had the same mom. We lived in the same neighborhood, but he chose gangs and drugs and I chose to set myself free. So I don't like to, um, uh, I have the perspective of it. If you're in this country, if you're in another country, it's different. But if you're in this country at this moment, it doesn't matter where you live you have the ability to succeed. It's all in your mind. It's all a mindset thing. And it's all how hard you're going to work 
and how much you're going to fight to, to get where you need to get. Because the power of the mind is incredible. And in my mind, I knew the life that I was surrounded by was not me. My best friends were getting pregnant at 13 years old. And I was like, no way. I, I would literally, you know, escape on a bus and go somewhere far away, you know, to get away from my neighborhood because I knew it wasn't where I wanted to live my life. And so I tell anybody that's living in an underserved community, you can take control. You can be different. You can go against the norm. But if they don't have the natural ability to critically think and problem solve on their own, that's where the curriculum will come into place to help them do that. And also to help them guide them on how to have a purpose and to have goals and to really learn the power of their mind, learn the power of their body, learn the power of their soul. Okay, I'll pick it up from here. Um, hello, thanks for being here. I saw you on the news and I was like, wow, this is what the world needs. So I appreciate what you're doing. Um, Thank you. I guess I'll jump around because I, I, I'm just drawn to this. You're, you have kids up to eighth grade and what you've accomplished just seems remarkable in this world where, uh, you know, if you know Charlotte Iserbit, um, you know, she wrote The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America and she was the secretary of education for Reagan. And, she, you know, she wrote a book on how kids are just, uh, you know, programmed to tunnel vision and not think. And there's only one answer for everything. But after eighth grade, I mean, number one, can you, we, is there a law where you can have a school up through graduation and send kids to school, to university? And how are your kids doing after eighth grade? Oh, yeah, we, we are um, going to open high school in two years. Oh, wow. So we are looking for a future high school principal, if you have any listeners there. I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're looking for some great, a great high school leadership team. Like I said, we own three buildings. So we, um, we're, we're ready to take this all the way. In fact, my husband laughs at me. He's like, you know, we're going to need to do college, too. And I'm like, you're probably right. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, the what's the transition like for one of your students who's gone all the way to eighth grade and then goes to ninth grade in a normal school? How is there any feedback on that? You know, this is my first. This is my second year really in business, but my first year going from pre K two to eighth grade. So um, you know, we had a small eighth grade class. And, uh, you know, we had a couple of the kids who were saying, well, I wish you were starting ninth grade now. They're going to miss it. They're going to miss the environment. Um, but, you know, they were just super sweet kids. And I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, how, how they do in high school. I'm sure they're going to do great because they're just charming, sweet kids. That's awesome. So, the, you know, you mentioned the, the book I was thinking, the audio from Napoleon Hill is uh, Interview with the Devil. And then I guess there's a because I'm interested. To, there's a he wrote a book called um, "How to Outwit the Devil." Is that right? I, I'm interested in um, outwit, I'm, outwitting the devil, but it's an interview with the devil. Oh, uh, then that's the one I heard. That's the one yeah. I heard. So you know, with that in mind, uh, the New World Order is something you know many people do not know about, but it's been in 
in you know action for centuries and it's it's all about the inversion and perversion and obfuscation of the truth and reality deliberately to uh you know uh, disempower people and it's just incredible that you're I mean, to hear your school actually encourages critical thinking and like kids to think and that you treat kids as almost, you know, as a human being is is just remarkable because, you know, one of the biggest problems is, you know, my brother, my brother's daughter's 16 and they're all making decisions based on misinformation. And I'm, I'm like, Mark, talk to your daughter like she's a human being, not your daughter, you know, um, you know, educator and and let her speak and let her be heard. And is a lot of your curriculum based on that? Where, you know, you're encouraging people to be their own people and, and they're, they're, they're questioning things and, you know, uh, they're making decisions and they realize that there's a lot of untruths in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole foundation really to get them to critically think and get them to ask why and get them to not just blindly follow. So if someone wants to start a school in any state, is it possible? Or each state has different you know, regulations or hurdles or Florida's, an open, Florida's open to this and some states may not. I'm just curious. Like, could you do this in California? You know, I think that California is a different, it's a different animal. Uh, mainly because they have the forced vaccines. Um, I think that they uh, would shut schools down if they tried to do this. I don't know. I think they would probably take their license away. Um, fortunately, I live in a school where our governor is seeing through this nonsense and he is not happy with the masks in school. Um, I was taking a risk no matter what, because our county mayor is very much uh, trying to enforce the masks. Um, but I was willing to take that risk because if I needed to stand up for our kids, if you know the police showed up at my door and I needed to get arrested, I would have, you know, it would not have been a fun experience. But if we don't take a stand, this is just gonna continue. And so if all of the schools in California took a stand, are they gonna shut them all down? No, more people need to say no and to support the people that are saying no. That's how we're gonna take back our power. Not to sit back and wait for you know Newsom to change his mind. He could care less about his people. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because over time, your school, even though they, the news would never publish it, could be a control group for what's possible for no masks and no, uh, you know, no injections. And I'm sure you already know, realize we all know that masks make everything worse. But I would I would I would believe that your school is a very healthy environment and no one's sick. It's a super healthy environment. You know, yeah, we had covid cases. But it followed the same curve, you know, like we spiked in November and then it went, went down. Um, but most of the kids were asymptomatic. We had one kid that threw up. None of the kids went to the hospital. Again, most of our kids are very healthy. In terms of the teachers, none of the teachers went to the hospital. And they all got through it. And what so I tell 
Go on. I, I tell people, if you're afraid of COVID, you should stay home. Because you can go out wearing a mask, being six feet apart and still catch it. If you're that afraid, stay home. Because you can't make put everybody else on uh, pins and needles because of your fear. And that's not, mm. that's not fair and that's not right. Mm. In listening to you speak, I like it because you, you focus on the fundamentals, the facts that are simple yet profound, like this disease is 99.999% survivable for children. It's so basically they're more likely to get killed in a bus crash getting to school than, than this. Um, and I, I've watched videos of masks and in, in this OSHA tested video, in seven seconds, just a regular blue mask, we're actually on the box, it says this does not protect you. It says it on the outside from COVID or the transmission of disease. In seven seconds, the OSHA meteor starts beeping because the person wearing that mask is getting too little oxygen. And OSHA defines this as an immediately dangerous situation in seven seconds. Yeah. And I mean, that alone, if you could get your hands around that, is like huge. And we, if, for people who've had accidents where if someone falls in a lake, you know, the ice breaks and their child falls in and they're underwater and they come out and they're resuscitated, you know, the first question you always ask is, how long did their brain not get oxygen? Will they have brain damage? You know, they're alive and they've been resuscitated. And no one thinks, like, my point is, if you just think of that, if in those situations, the first thing you think about is how long was the oxygen cut off from their brain? Because you, the, the thing you don't want is brain damage. And what I've heard is actually that masks are causing long-term irreversible brain damage. I don't know if you know anything about that. Yeah. I know you're not a doctor, but do you know anything about that? I, I read uh, an article on it that actually talked about exactly what you said, that masks are causing long-term irreversible brain damage because their brain is not getting enough oxygen and it's, I, I read the article on it and it was very interesting and it made a lot of sense to me. And I also have been seeing what you're describing as well, where they put the uh, carbon dioxide meter under the mask, you know, and I'm, I'm friends with um, Kristen Megan, who's one of the OSHA ladies and Tammy Clark. And basically OSHA has also been, you know, whatever, changed. whatever, because all of a sudden something that, they would have deemed basically if you had a business where it was that high of carbon dioxide in the air, they would shut you down yet. They're turning up, they're turning their back on what's happening all across the globe. OSHA seems to not care that kids or employees are breathing in carbon dioxide all day long. It's all of a sudden. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that gets my goat right there, because if you go to the OSHA website, I think they may have changed it. And I had a, I put this in some of my videos. It actually says the normal amount of oxygen for office space is um, it's 21 in like when you're outside and it's the minimum in the office is 19.5. And as soon as you put that thing on, it goes it goes to 17 percent. So my point is. OSHA standards in seven seconds become broken as soon as you put that mask on. Yeah, I know. And that alone 
demonstrates two plus two equals five is everywhere and no one's questioning it. Yeah. I mean, look, just the fact that 11,000 people, according to the VARS database, have died right after this shot and it still hasn't been pulled off the market is baffling to me. How is this even possible? Yeah. Where's well, we all know this is part of the, they, they, you know, they don't want it to be taken off. This is, there's a much bigger agenda. We all know that. Right. So you guys watch the Stu Peters show. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's awesome. He's been having some incredible people on there. The, the most recent lady, an ex Pfizer employee just blew my mind. What she was talking about in terms of the graphene oxide. Yeah. And I saw that. The blood poisoning. And I'm just like, and the, the red blood cells misshapen and um, destroyed and there's there's nanotubes and it's just a mess. And there's a 13 year old who just died. Um, there's many teenagers who have died, apparently. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, from uh, myocarditis and and uh, I mean, it's. But it's where a child's toy can be taken off the market because of a lead paint in it or, you know, or, or things like this. Nothing's being done. But we know that the, the objective is not to protect and save. So this has nothing to do with uh, public safety. So we all sort of know that. Um, so where, where do you see for the future of your school? You know, you definitely are going to have a high school you know, you said within two years that that's like in the works. Yeah. I mean, two years or less, my, my team wants to do it. Not this year, but next year I'm pushing for two years. So we'll see. It'll be either one year or two years. Okay. So if, if anyone wanted to do something like they are just fed up, maybe they, maybe they're retired or maybe they have uh, the means uh, what would you recommend to, to do something? You already sort of said go to a church or something like that, but what, what, what would the first thing you would do if you wanted to start a school? You know, uh, have you heard of Acton Academy, A-C-T-O-N? No. I would say because they already have a curriculum that is, um, from what I've heard, I haven't seen it with my own eyes, but I actually I did tour a school that, that had this curriculum. Um, their, their curriculum already has some good things in it. They focus on entrepreneurship. They, um, focus on every kid, uh, finding that hero in them, you know? Wow. And, uh, I think the curriculum is like $15,000. Uh, you can search Acton Academy curriculum and you can, they can apply there. But I would say that would be a first starting point. I would start with that. Okay. Find a local church or find somebody's home and just go run. If you can't afford a $15,000 curriculum, there are curriculums that are a lot cheaper out there. Um, but just make sure that they don't have the CRT and indoctrination and, you know, hate for our country in them. Um, gotcha. Okay. So it's called Acton. How do you spell that? A-C-T-O-N. A-C-T-O-N. Okay. Well, um, I'm blown away by your school, by the message, by the curriculum, by, uh, you know, the fact that you, your, your goal is to create critical thinkers. I mean, it's just so incredible to hear that because it's, 
you know, the, the, the sad part is most people don't know that they're not critical thinkers. That's, that's part of the problem. But, um, uh, you know, appreciate what you're doing. And I'm going to pass you to Jay. Thank you. Nice talking to you, Steve. Thank you. So, Layla, my name's Jamie. My friends call me Jay. And uh, I'm really, as I'm hearing you talk, I want to hear about your roses and your thorns. We've heard a little bit about your journey. Um, but I, I, I can tell you've been on it, a real journey, lived a lifetime in the last year. And, you know, it really comes to my mind right now, what is the most challenging thing that you have faced? What has been the most difficult thing that you have faced? And likewise, what is the most incredible thing that has happened as a result of, of this past year for you? Well, I think definitely, by the way, hi. <laughs> I think definitely hands down um, the most incredible, uh, difficult thing has been the whole media storm. They really tried to go in like bullies, bulldogs, and just hammer me into the ground. And, uh, the, and the end result of that was really just me stepping into my power, me stepping into my strength and not backing down weathering the storm and now what's come of it is really just this beautiful ensemble of an incredible team that we've attracted from all over the country that I don't think frankly would have known about us had the media storm not happened. Um, same thing with the parents that we're attracting from all over the country. They had no idea we existed. And you know, we've got parents that walk through our doors and they start crying within five minutes is they're like, this is my dream. I finally feel like I'm not gonna be the, uh, the oddball, the black sheep, but this is like my family. And I don't need to explain to anybody why I don't wanna vaccinate my child. I don't need to explain to anybody why I believe my child deserves to breathe fresh oxygen. It's just normal here. And so we've been attracting those beautiful souls from all over and it's just, I can't wait for next school year to start because it's just going to be this incredible community. So you don't, you're not obviously a fearful person. What are you afraid of right now? You know, um, I would say a concern of mine is what's going to happen this next flu season when, um, you know, many people who are vaccinated, and we're just, I'm hearing from different doctors, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny that's speaking out, um, that there is going to be a lot more, this virus is gonna be stronger and there's gonna be a lot more deaths. And I'm concerned for the kids. I'm concerned for how is their world gonna be really shaken even harder and, and how, how much more are they going to be traumatized this next school year? Um, obviously, I think our kids are going to be more sheltered because we're not, we don't have that community of fear mongers. But I know schools are already freaking out about the Delta virus. They're already um, saying that they're going to mandate masks again. They're already, you know, private schools near me that are pushing their you know, high school students to get the vaccine. You know, my, my concern is for them, really, because it's just like, 
they're going to take another dagger to their souls. And I just don't know how much more these kids can handle of just constantly being beaten into fear and submission and obedience. It's a lot for them. You know, I, I can, I can shelter my kids and, and teach them to not live in fear and not, not have an environment like that, but I'm just one school. Why, why do you think we're so afraid as a culture? Like why, why are we not, as Steve talked to you about critically thinking, why are we turning our backs on the truth? Why are we so afraid? Well, like Steve said, this has been happening for a long time. They purposely pulled critical thinking out of schools and they started this a long time ago. So you have many, many generations of non-thinkers. And the second you're a non-thinker, you're able to be brainwashed this easily. So you're looking that, at that from the perspective of a thinker. How might someone who's a non-thinker be able to receive that information? I don't know. They can. I've spoken to people who, have you had this conversation with people where you're like talking about the data, you're talking about the numbers and they just gloss right over you? Mm -hmm. There's just nothing you can do. There isn't. Versus, you know, I've had conversations with people that are thinkers and I ask them questions and I, and I, and I see them, they see the wheels turning and then the next thing you know, they've snapped out of it because they're thinking. If they're a non-thinking person, I don't, I don't, it's. I don't what su surprises me is um, people's lack of desire to have a conversation to even well, this is where I appreciate this so much because not everybody's going to agree and we don't need to but we need to be able to have a conversation especially families and children and be able to work through these very complicated issues together um, and find our way through it and I'm coming through the lens and the context of um, you know, we have a platform, a change maker platform called Thrive Tribes Global, and it consists of using something called the Thrive Solutions model. And that model is based off identifying the dangers, the problems and the concerns that we face in, in the main 12 sectors of human endeavor, and then moving to the solution as a collaborative, co-creative community as to how we can thrive. And um, I really enjoyed diving into your website, um, Layla, and I would like to read some things from your website for the audience because they're really special and you really focus on on the thriving. And as we know, this is a spectrum. You know, it's not like you go from survive to thrive and it's just a hop. You know, it's a it's a progression on a spectrum. And um, I see I see that you see that and that you're allowing that growth for your students and for your families, which is really beautiful. So Layla shares here. We believe that every student, every teacher, every parent, and every leader has an ethical imperative on this planet to pursue learning and growth in every activity of our lives. Because our whole community is dedicated to being better for our world. We love learning, embrace mistakes as opportunities to grow, challenge, and then both be loving and candid in our relationships with each other. So, you know, you're not fairies and unicorns. You're also going, you know, there's life and life can get lifey. 
and how can we critically think to handle things that are going to come um, at us, not if it's a matter of when. Then you go on to say some of your promises and values. We take happiness and emotional intelligence. Brilliant. Seriously, we aspire for kids to thrive, one of my favorite words, and to lead truly flourishing lives. And then one of the parents' testimonials on your website goes on to say, they have mindfulness every day. Um, they have programs that link brain development. I work in HR and there's so many studies that show that kids that practice mindfulness have less anxiety, obviously a massive issue today, less depression and better health. They are doing that for our children. So I want to acknowledge you, Layla, for putting the children first. Thank you. You know, I, it, it, I, a deep bow to you for putting the children first. Thank you. And I just, all I can do is hope and pray that this message inspires other school leaders, other members that are on school boards to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Put our kids first. When we're old and gray and they're running the country, what kind of people do we want running our country? Do we want critical thinkers or do we want people that are going to blindly follow? And I want critical thinkers who are going to, you know, figure out if we're under foreign attack, you know, as I believe we are now um, and do what's right for our country. It's, it's also the focus on, on creating a loving relationship with self and others, which comes through the mindfulness practices you're speaking about and, and having and creating an environment that I believe um, where we befriend death. Because I believe that a lot of the fear that comes is because we're so utterly afraid of death because of our lack of spiritual connection. You know, it, it, it's so deeply ingrained in people to be afraid of death. And so as a result, people are afraid to live now. They're so afraid that they're going to die from this fear virus that they've stopped living. And that impact on our children is where we need to take a stand. And so what we're doing at Thrive Tribes Global, Layla, is we're developing a summit called the Future of Freedom Summit, where we're going to be focusing on the 12 major sectors of human endeavor. We call them tribes. So the environmental sector would be eco-tribe. The health tribe would be, a uh, health sector would be health tribe. So we really focus around freedom and sovereignty in all sectors. One of our most powerful tribes, which is absolutely growing enormously right now is Freedom Families. They're coming in in hordes. And several of our luminary leaders within that tribe, Richard Hart, for example, he runs the homeschool DeFi club, helping parents who want to homeschool their children to be able to make an income at home so they can stay home. And that's just one of our leaders. So we're really galvanizing and bringing people together um, into a decentralized platform, uh, a blockchain for change makers, which allows us to get information out without it being censored, which, of course, as we know, is highly important right now. So many families just aren't informed. They're not getting the information. So I would really like to invite you to join us. Um, I, I think that you're a phenomenal human being, uh, mentor, model for children. And I can see that you're not just speaking it, you're living it. And that's what people need to see. They need to see what's possible and how we can create that future 
that's based on freedom and sovereignty for all and our and our birthright to thrive. And so bravo for focusing on on the children because they're being forgotten right now. We're we're leaving them behind. And if we don't put them first right now, we're not going to have much of a future. Yeah. That's right. They're being forgotten and they're being you know, abuse. This child abuse. And we're 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 just destroying their little souls. And so many parents are to tell me, you know, um, it's not a big deal. She's not complaining. He's not complaining. I'm like, that's not how I would assess this. Look at the information. Look at what it's doing to them. Go and speak to their psychiatrists out there that are talking about this. I'm seeing it with my own eyes. By the way, when is your summit? We haven't set a date yet, but the, the the people are piling in and the need is strong. I'm at home with three children and we've moved out to, you know, 66 acres on a river. We're growing food and, you know, so we're in a big shift ourselves. As you know, there's a lot of adapting that's had to happen this year. And we're just gathering like-minded, like-hearted people who see that we want to be prepared um, we want to plan for the best and prepare for potentialities that we know may come, focusing on our health and our communities. Um, and we're building both a global community and then pulling that into smaller communities called Thrive Sanctuaries around the globe where we're focusing on education. And it's, it's a very exciting. This time is allowing us Hello? to focus on, on the shadows and what's gone wrong where we've been led astray or where we haven't stayed connected. Sorry. And it's giving you. us the opportunity to focus on what we do want to create. I lost you for a second. <laughs> oh, I think we all froze. Layla, can you hear me? Hello? I, Hello? Grace, can you hear me? Yes, Steve, I can hear you. Layla, but Layla yeah. can't hear us. Layla, can you hear us? Yeah, Layla, but I heard Layla. So. I know, but she can't hear us. Layla, maybe you're muted. Go and no, I I hear it's going in and out. Okay. Oh. I think we're back. There was okay. a there was a little bit of a moment. Okay. Um, which which actually I think is really powerful because it shows the shift, right? Because when we when we can be aware and what you're what you're doing so gracefully. Layla, I know you've had your moments. I, I I know it. I'm with you, girl. Really, you've done it with with grace, you know, and you've been consistent. And you just stand. You're standing strong. You're standing firm. And you just you're just consistent. And when we are aware of the issues that we face, especially as families with children, because this is this takes what we're experiencing to a whole other level. It really does, and it's very complicated because there's so many different people looking at it through different lenses. So when we look at this time in history, I think it's actually an extraordinary time in many ways because we're we're looking at all of these issues. And I think the children, we're starting to see how we've we've left the children for a long time. This planet has, you know, there's no need to have starving, starving children. We have all the resources, we have all the technology and everything we need to not have that be an issue. We have no need to have children suffering whatsoever anywhere in any country anywhere on this planet. So the focus coming back to the children and is coming through realizing that there's been a lot of crimes against them. And this is horrific. 
to have these realizations. It's horrific to see what's been done. Uh, and now we have the opportunity to co-create and to design this this new earth, this new world that we want to create for our children. And I see you as as a luminary leader creating that new earth, Layla. I'm a I'm an absolute sister with you. I'm right with you. I'm cheering you on. And I, I consider you a friend in this, in the, those who are willing to act and stand right now, I, I consider you a friend. So I'm kidnapping you. I'm taking you with me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Take my cell phone number. Let's connect. I'd love to hear more about your summit. We actually um, just bought 32 acres ourselves. So we are creating a whole sustainable little community and um, I'm ready to be able to pull the trigger to feed my communities, my families at school. Mm -hmm. Just um, it's a need right now. It's a need to be off the grid. It's a need to not be dependent on the government. It's a need to stand on our own. And frankly, that's what the Amish got right. They knew that they did not want to be controlled by the government. And the only way is if they were self-sustainable. And so I feel like um, what this has done is really made people think and say, wait a minute, I'm at the mercy of the government and I don't like that. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think, you know, part of our plan with our farm is to teach families how to grow in their own backyard. So that way, if there is a food sh shortage, they have plenty of food to feed their families. Mm -hmm. And um it's one of the greatest gifts we can give our children. We have a community garden and you get the kids in there and the parents and hands in the earth and learning about the different qualities medicinally and otherwise of certain plants and their characteristics and the names. I mean, it's just, it's so full of joy being connected to the earth like that. And as we move into a more technological age, which is always the, the fine balance. And I, I know that you work with robotics and you're, you know, you're incorporating that into your schools, but it's, I find this is the challenge as parents also is how do we not, you know, we're not Amish, right? Like we know that we're going into, we're not getting less digital. So to continue to balance out that digital expression, which is also important in its own way with, you know, keeping our hands and our feet in the soil and growing our own food and being close to nature and having a relationship with it. And so that balance, it's an art and a science, but I know you, Layla, will deep dive on it and critically think to figure out the best way we can move forward because there's no manual for this time. We don't know how to move forward in this digital age. And, and it seems like we're going back in time, but I also think that's a mistake. I think we have to find a way to weave in technology with um, holistic living systems and allow our children to have that balance. I'll be looking to you um, in the future to see what you're doing, Layla, at the Academy, and I wish you all the best. Thank you. And if any of you want to come visit me, if you're in Miami, I'd love to show you our school. And I'll be coming by if I'm there. Trust me. <laughs> awesome. You fixed my end. Thank you. <laughs> Jay, do you have anything more you want to share? Yeah, I have so much I want to talk to Layla about, but I don't want to hog the microphone. I mean, she's she, we're we're sisters. I mean, what we're doing is it's so exciting to meet people that are taking action, you know, and and you're getting results and you're seeing them. And like Steve said, I think it was Steve 
when we can see these, um, what did you call it, Steve? Kind of like the experiment that she's doing. You call you said, called it a word. It was really good. I wish I could remember. I wrote it down on one of my papers. Deception and misinformation. No, no, no. Like what she's doing is like um, like a little pod of, of an experiment of like, but you oh, called yeah. it something. It was so good. I'll have to go back and watch the okay. recording. But really, we need it's, more of that so that play, people can see. Because people, you know, they don't hear words. They're going to, they need to see it. They need to see, when they're seeing, you know, the thriving children, happy and joyful and interacting, um, the amount of fear that I'm seeing in children right now um, breaks my heart. It does. It breaks my heart too. Uh, I, I, it's a, it's like a, it's a, it's a live case study, really. Mm -hmm. It's a case, case study. study. You know, we have almost 300 kids and mm -hmm. we did not follow any of the nonsense and we were just fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We were just fine. Had mm -hmm. we followed that nonsense, we'd have anxious kids, stressed kids, unhappy kids, you know, it, it you know, there's emotional well-being and their physical well-being is being hurt by these masks. My school, we did it the right way and we had no issues. Speaking truth in a, in a time of, of a lot of lies is a revolutionary act. The, the children um, that we have around us, they're out in the river, they're kayaking, you know, they're testing their limits and their boundaries by, we have a, a bridge that the kids like to jump off of and they spend so much time engaged in play and nature and learning. And instead of talking about the chair, they're standing on it, you know, they're licking it, they're smelling it. It's it, when education can come alive, this is when children learn to love learning. And that's the note I really want to end on is I have a passion for education. I consider myself a perpetual student um, and I teach a lot, but I really think a good teacher is really just a really devoted student. And so I'm a really devoted student. I teach soccer and skiing and I teach kids, you know, Spanish and also I'm not a teacher, um, but I love to teach kids because they're so available and they're so in, in wonder and they have so much to teach us and they're such a gift and they're so precious. They're our most precious resource. So when I see um, you know, kids thriving and challenging their limits, because this is the other thing, if we teach kids to be in bubbles where, you know, literal bubbles now, uh, where, you know, to fear things outside of them and to, and to be safe, I see in children now, and I think it's going to become an epidemic in the future, especially if we carry on like this, if we don't stop and allow the children to begin to test their own limits and start to know their boundaries within the world, you know, if we just tell them what's safe or constantly helicopter parent or hover over them, um, the, the people that we are developing, um, I fear to say this is a strong word, but we're moving into a robotic situation. And I think that's a conversation we may or may not want to open up to at this point in the interview. But I think, you know, I'm going to pass it off to Grace. Layla, we'll talk again really, really soon. And um, thank you so much, Grace. No, thank you. My pleasure speaking with you. Oh, this this conversation is wonderful. This would be one of my favorite. <laughs> well, anyway, here's another the last question from the uh, uh, audience: Is what's the mindset of the parents who send their children to your school? Well, I would say um, the mindset. Our parents are very open-minded. They're progressive thinkers. They 
understand that the traditional educational system is broken and they want something different for their kids. They want the focus to be their kids, uh, you know, their soul, their well-being. And when your child is happy and when their soul is being fulfilled, learning is so much easier. Have you ever tried to learn while you were stressed and anxious? <laughs> Difficult. Very difficult. I mean, you know, it's just like the old analogy that people give. If you are running from a bear, how creative are you? You're just, you know, you're fight or flight and you just run. <laughs> you are not solving problems. You are running for dear life. You know, and so it's, it's really the same thing. Let's get our kids in a calm and peaceful place so they can be able to problem solve and get us out of a sticky situation, not in fight or flight. Well, thank you. And uh, so let this be an inspiration and, and uh, an empowering conversation because we want this not just to be just amongst us, but to all of you listeners and viewers. Leila, before we end, do you want to there anything more on an announcement of upcoming events that you have to do or that you need support? Um, with so we um, we still have a couple of teachers that we're looking to hire um, for the next school year. If they go to our website, they can uh, send on their send their resume. And like I said, we are hiring in two years. We're opening high school, so in one year we're going to be looking for a high school principal mm -hmm. and um, some other great leaders for our high school. So just keep in touch with us. I'm on Instagram. I've been. Uh, my first two accounts have been taken down. So I'm Layla Setner three now. Um, you can find me just all together, one word, Layla Setner and the number three. You have to type it all out, otherwise it won't show up. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram. And my school's Instagram is just, you type in Setner Academy and you can follow us and see how we're doing. And um, if you ever have any good ideas for us or good people you want to recommend or refer, just send them our way. Oh, I do have a great, did I send you the uh, Stand for Health Freedom presentation? Okay, I'll send you the link. Maybe you can send it to, you guys can send it to your viewers. Um, Stand for Health Freedom has some great software where they put together a mask campaign where you just, Put in your address and um, um, you will send your politicians. The system will send your politicians an email about not mandating the masks for next year. And then you will also receive an email with my PowerPoint presentation and all the research and everything that we've done around masks. So I'll send you that if you guys can send it out. It's great for parents to basically equip them with the knowledge so that way they can go and try and recruit more parents and, and maybe even have some meetings with their school officials to say that this is, this is wrong and it needs to stop. Remember, we have the power, we can do this. There were two moms in Iowa who fought for their kids and got the entire mask mandate banned in Iowa because of their actions. Yes, it doesn't take an army. Okay. It takes passion, it takes purpose, and it takes drive. And if we all unite, we can do this, and we can take back our power. 
Leila, wouldn't that Iowa was it through the board or how did they do it? Because I'm going to share it with New Jersey. And that's another thing that I always do. That's why I love listening to your story, to um, Jay's story, because then when I go to underground meetings, I tell people, don't, don't, don't be discouraged. There are things moving, you know. So so um yeah, how did they do that for the Iowa? I don't know exactly what she did. Okay. Um, but she ended up on. She ended up having a conversation with the governor, and I and you know she started with I was at an event speaking, and she was right there in the audience, and she gave me her board, and I held the board up, and then she gave it to General Flynn, and General Flynn just really, you know, you know, I think he kind of helped pave the way, but she was at the moment she was just a parent standing there in the audience with the board. And so the more people you speak to, you never know who you're talking to. You're talking, you could be talking to that person who can really help you achieve the goal that you're working on. And it just, it takes, it takes effort. We can't, we can't, we can't win this if we're sitting back doing nothing. So, um, um, so I know I, I said we're going to stop, but this quick question, are you getting pressure from the government to shut down your school? No, not at all. Actually, I'm thankful I live in Florida. Our governor is very much against masks. He actually just did a press release, I think, two days ago with a psychologist and some doctors about the harmful impact of masks. And I think my husband said today that he just issued an executive order that is going to allow choice mm. and not allow schools to force these masks. Yes. Well, thank you, thank you, and yes, please uh, send me the rest of the links is about you know the earlier in, you know so that I could include it here. And if you have that contact information of that lady, I will also provide it to the New Jersey group. Okay, the uh, lady from Iowa. Yeah. Sure, I'll do. I'll look for it. All right. And um, God bless everyone and have a good day to all the viewers and listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You need to share this podcast. Okay. Yes. Thank you. God bless you guys.